0: Turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Jesus here charges the disciples with what we today call the Great Commission. He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now this same charge still falls upon us today. At no point in the Word do you find a point where He said, Okay, that's enough, you can stop preaching now. You can stop going into the world. You don't have to worry about it. It's all covered. You won't ever find that anywhere in there. So, somehow, I don't know where, but people decided that they're somehow exempt from these duties. I don't think everybody has, but there's some people that have. They've decided it's okay that they just kind of uh, become Christians themselves, and as long as they attend church, they're all right. But you know there there's work to be done in the service of God. He doesn't bring you into His marvelous light to to just uh, be a um, lump on a log, bump on a log. So the that's what I really want to focus on tonight is the Great Commission, and not just uh, what it is, but how it affects each of us. Now the good thing uh, for most of us is that we don't have to go around the world to do this. Now you know there are those that are called to be missionaries, to go into various foreign countries and, and sometimes even jungles and places like that to reach people that have never heard about Jesus before. And I thank God that I'm not one because that's a work I don't desire but, you know, and I want to make make you aware of the fact that we need to really support those people. Amen. Because that is, man, that like I said, I'm glad it's not me that's called to that kind of work. It's very difficult and it's trying. There are places in this world that people are even killed for trying to preach the Gospel. But, nevertheless... Even though we're still here in this small town of Canard, the duties still uh, apply to us. It's still our responsibility to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, that doesn't matter. Because you still, if you're a child of God, ought to have something you can share with somebody that's Not. You ought to be an example. As, as the word Christian is defined as being Christ-like, there ought to be something about you that's different from those that are not. There ought to be some something that when somebody looks upon you, they see hope where there is no hope in any other place. They ought to look at you and see something different that they don't encounter in normal, worldly people. So as we look around us, we need to be thinking about the Great Commission. Now, God has been dealing with me a lot lately, and I'm still in the midst of praying. I'm not sure exactly how this is all going to go. But I think God is is leading me to, and probably this church in general, to be. To reach out to people in this area in some way or fashion. And we're going to see what that all entails as we continue to pray. And when I, when I remind you to pray for the church, keep that in mind. Be praying that not only God will add to our numbers, but that God will give us wisdom and guidance and knowledge into what we need to do to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not an easy task. In no way, shape, or form is what Jesus commissioned us to do easy. Even for those that claim to be preachers, it's not easy. But, He provided us with a source of power, a source of strength that will enable us to fulfill that great commission. Now, I want you to think back and think of anything that God has ever asked you to do or any, any story in the Bible where God asked somebody else to do that He didn't provide a means to do it. You won't find one. You'll never find an opportunity, a, a point in the Bible where God told somebody to do something and He didn't provide a way for it to happen. He never expected anybody to get out there on their own and just make something happen for God. He always provided for them. So, in the midst of that provision, what I want you to see tonight is the, the source of power, the enabling agent that He provided us with is the Holy Spirit. If you look over in Luke 24 and 49, this is a kind of right at the same time period, even though it's in a different book. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the source of power that you need. Without it, you can go preach to whoever you want to. But without the Holy Spirit, without that Holy Spirit anointing the words that you speak, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Because the Holy Spirit goes before you and begins to prepare their hearts and minds. You may look at me and say, I don't understand what that means. I don't know what you're talking about. If you have never been filled with the Spirit. And I, and I want you to think very seriously about what I'm talking about. Listen, being saved is just the first step. That just gets you in the door. Being filled with the Spirit is, is so crucial to your work for God. Now, if you don't ever plan on doing anything for God, well, don't even listen to what I'm telling you, because it doesn't apply. There's no need for you to ever be filled with the Spirit if you don't plan on doing something for God. But what did Jesus tell them? He said, you wait. Now I'm telling you what you're going to need to do. You need to go into the world and preach the Gospel. But before you do anything, you wait until you receive that power. Don't you step out there on your own. I guarantee you there were some of them that was ready. Ready? They were fired up. They was ready to just go do something because Jesus had told them to. But He said, wait. He said, don't you move. He said, you stay right there in Jerusalem until you receive that power. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us about the different gifts of the Spirit. And those words that Paul used there are confirmed in Mark. The Scripture that... Uh, we started out reading in 16 and 15. Let's continue in verse 17. He says, "...and these signs shall follow them that believe. In My name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." Now, is it, why is it we have trouble believing that? How many people do y'all see that that somebody says, well, somebody got healed and they're just like, yeah, I don't know about all that stuff. I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not talking about people of the world. They, they don't have a reason to believe yet. I'm talking about Christians. Why is it they have trouble believing that? Do you know that in those two verses there, Jesus used the word shall seven times? Shall. He didn't say Maybe. Now I know we hit this this morning. But when, when Jesus says shall, there's no point there to argue with him. He didn't give you multiple choices. He said this will happen. Now I don't mean to tell you tonight that when you go out and you start to preach to people that all of these things are going to happen, but I'm here to tell you that you can believe that something's going to happen. You can believe that there's going to be a change made in somebody when you begin to preach the gospel to them. When you begin to, to pray for people and, and you speak faith into their life, something's going to change. And there is no reason, there is no place in the Word that you'll find that should give you reason to doubt that when you lay hands on somebody, they ought to be healed. The Word tells you they shall recover is what it says. So why is it we have such a hard time believing these things? I want to tell you tonight that not only are these things possible, but we should expect them. That kind of changes your perspective on things, don't it? You know, I grew up seeing things happen. Things that I can't explain in the natural. I grew up in a in a church where it was on a regular basis you saw people healed. When you grow up in that kind of environment, it, it's a little easier to believe. But you know, I still find myself, my carnal side, reasoning with my spiritual side, trying to make sense of all of that. When I ought to just tell him, shut up, because... The word says it shall happen and it is gonna happen. I should just expect it. Have you ever prayed for somebody and that was sick and you wasn't really sure what was gonna happen from it? You hoped they got healed, but you just you know. We ought not have that kind of attitude. When we pray for somebody, we ought to be expecting the change. Like I told you this morning, we know what God's will is. We know it's God's will that somebody be healed. So we ought to be expecting it. Listen, that's what faith is all about. Faith is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Faith is not just this emotional thing that that increases your hope. Faith is something that you need to be basing on a rock, something substantial, something that you can expect. Because faith is based on those things that are true. It's not, it's not something that just sounds nice. These two Scriptures ought to tell us a little something about the Holy Spirit. The only stipulation Jesus used here In verse 17, it says, "...and these signs shall follow them that believe." If we go into our work for Jesus, our work for God, the the Great Commission, we go into that with expectations. We expect to see change in people. We expect to see miracles. All the only other thing that, that relies on seeing those things come to pass is that the people we encounter believe. If you go and you preach to people and you tell them what God might do, you know what God might possibly do. I've seen, I've heard of stories where where people were. Hey, I don't know. I've never seen it, but it might happen. You go with that kind of attitude; they're not going to believe you. You have got to, listen, you've got to have belief in yourself before you can put it into anybody else. You've got to have your faith built up and strong before you get into that situation. You can't expect it to show up just because you're there. You've got to take it with you. You've got to already be equipped before you get there. You've got to have your mind made up. You know there's people all around us they're looking for an answer they're looking for somebody to give them a reason to have hope you know I the past two days I've just had a a heavy burden on my heart and I don't, and I don't know what it is yet. But I've been praying, and I've been asking God to just show me what it is, or even before I know, I'm asking God to go ahead and be moving in that area. Let His will be done, because I don't even know what to pray for yet. But I know there is, there is, uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean to make light of this, but you know, in the movie Star Wars, they said there's a disturbance in the force. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel right now there's just there's this heavy burden in my spirit right now and I I believe it's for for the people of this community and I, I think it's because God is preparing me and and through that he's going to prepare this church to to reach some people and I want y'all to get a hold of this tonight because this this great commission that I've been talking about this look, Understand that this was the last thing Jesus told us before He left this earth. Now think about that for a minute. If you know you've got a friend that's going away, or say you're going away and you've got this friend, what's the last things you want to tell them? It's going to be important, ain't it? You're not going to tell them, well, we had a good game today. We had nice weather. You ain't going to be concerned about all that stuff. You're going to tell them something important because this is your last chance to physically speak to them face to face. What did Jesus do? He chose to tell us about the Great Commission because this was His last opportunity standing face to face with His disciples to share with them what He wanted done. Now, you know he could have chose to do this any number of ways. But he chose to speak to those eleven men face to face and tell them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say the white people. He didn't say the Jews. He said everybody. And if you if you happen to think that for some reason that... that there ain't going to be any Mexicans in heaven or any black people or, or any Italians. Or You're sadly mistaken, let me tell you. He said every creature. I just think that we need to re-examine why we're Christians. I think we need to take another look and, and, and reorganize where we're placing our priority. As Christians. Now, we need to do this all the time in our own life, but I'm talking about collectively as a group. What is our purpose on this world? What is our purpose? Well, I'm going to tell you what it needs to be. It needs to be looking for those that are lost and trying to show them the way. You know, there's a reason why they use these words. Lost. Show them the way. Light unto our path. Lamp unto our feet. These words aren't just... You know, it is kind of poetic, but it's not just something that sounds nice. It really means something because they, they don't know where they're going. There's people in this world that are doomed for eternal death in hell. And they don't even know that. They're headed for eternal destruction and they don't even know. They need somebody to tell them. You know, there's probably people here in this town, right here in the heart of Houston County, probably one of the counties in Texas that has more churches, than I've ever seen in my entire life. But I guarantee you there's people here that don't even understand what it means to be saved. Oh, well, they probably heard the name Jesus. They've probably heard it used in ways you wouldn't even want to imagine. But they don't understand what it means to be saved and they don't understand what's going to happen when they die without Him. You know, I was talking to somebody the other night. They said they had been saved three times. But they still wasn't sure. They just didn't know what it took to really be saved. And then they asked me, you know, what? how do I know for sure? So I explained as best I could. This person claims to be a Christian. And I believe they probably are. But what what concerns me is that they were first saved when they're 9 years old. And they're now 20. The thing that concerns me is they have lived 11 years not knowing for sure that they're saved. Now, how, how do you explain that? I'm sure it's probably attributed to the fact of not being in church regular, not not sitting under good sound teaching, and not reading the Bible and getting a good basis. You can say all those things, but let me tell you what it falls down to. Jesus talked about this parable where where the seeds were cast to the side of the road and some of them fell on good ground. Some of them fell on stony ground and sprung up quick and the sun killed them. And and all these different examples, you go read it for yourself. The point is those that didn't make it, they didn't make it because they didn't have a good foundation. They didn't have a good foundation because nobody tended to them and took care of them. That's our, that's our problem. It's not their problem. Those new Christians, those that get saved, they don't, they don't know what they need to do. They don't know where they need to turn. They don't know that the enemy is walking around seeking out who he might devour. <laughs> they didn't use the word devour because it sounded cool. That's really what he intends to do is just utterly destroy you. But those of us that know better ought to be looking out for them. We ought to be not only looking out for them, but we ought to be seeking them out, trying to find them to make sure they're okay. I'm not trying to beat up on y'all tonight, but I'm trying to instill a, a sense of urgency in you because listen, time is short whether God comes back tomorrow or, or 10,000 years from now, you don't know if you're going to make it out the door tonight alive. You don't know if those lost souls in Kennard Texas tonight are even going to see the light of day. We, we don't have all of eternity to reach them. We do have all of eternity to look forward to, but they may not. I don't know how else to say it. All I know is, like I said, that God is dealing with me and convicting me. And what's good for me is good for you. The more I read this Word, you know, I I can find a lot of joy in the Word of God. But when I come across stuff like this, the Great Commission, and I see how little I have done to fulfill that Great Commission, it just tears me up inside. You know, it's not because somehow I feel inadequate or I need to do more. None of that. It's because I know I'm not doing what Jesus had wanted us to do to the extent He wanted me to do it. When I think about that, and I think about how He feels about those that are lost, and then I think about how I feel about them, and I see that they don't compare. Because His concern for them is far greater than mine is. And you know, the very thing I need to be doing is working to get those closer to each other. I need to be having way more concern for for those that are lost. And I'm sure most of y'all here tonight would probably say the same thing.